Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines is part three of What Stage of Maturity Are You? with reference scripture 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3 through 3, in the Amplified Classic, New Living, and Message Translations. First Corinthians 3, uh, verse number 1. I want to read this both from the AMP, but then I want to go over to the New Living Translation uh, as well. We're going to read this together, and I just believe this is, is really going to help. Let me just say this while that's up and you're paying attention to the screen, and that's this. The, um, the stages are necessary because... Many of you have been in Christ or in church for years, but you've never grown up. My job is not to hurt your feelings, it's to give you the word of the Lord. The Bible says, for the word is like a mirror, according to the book of James. And, and who, wherever we are, and we put that word up, it, it will see where we are compared not to the people standing around us, but what does the word say that we are and where we are. And that's my only really purpose, objective, I believe the Lord gave me this, and that way you could make sure you know who you are. So we're going to go to the AMP, and then we're going to go to the New Living uh, Translation. I may even toggle over to the message. I don't know. But let's read this together, if you don't mind. However, brother, and I can't hear you, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men, but as to non-spiritual men of flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates, as to mere infants in the new life, in Christ, unable to talk yet. Keep, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 2. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it, but even yet you are not strong enough to be ready for it. One more verse, please. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men? Let's stand just for a moment longer. Let's go over to the New Living Translation. And come on, let's read it one more time. Let's, let's start from the top. Come on, one through three. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Oh, my God. I, I better keep y'all standing. Message translation. I just want you to see this. Come on. Verse number one. Same thing through verse number three. Let's read. But for now, right now, friends... I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You are acting like infants in relationship to Christ. 
capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only with everything that's going on your way? When one of you says, I am of Paul's side, and another says, I'm of Paul's, aren't you being totally, my God, before you take your seat, grab that person by the hand. As a matter of fact, grab the hand that you drove here with, unless you didn't drive here with the person you're standing next to. Come on. Look at him or her eyeball to eyeball and ask him, what level of maturity are you at right now? Let that hand go grab another hand on the other side of you, please. Say, your hand feels pretty good, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have did that. All right, ask that person what level of maturity do you think you are at? All right, let's be seated. Let's go to work. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Gans. I, I still have a little kid in me somewhere. I, I really do, and I just enjoy it. All right, here we go. I just want to give you a few things here. Again, you got to go back and, and get some of this on your own. But there's a word that I want you to write down. It's where the King James says, are you not still spiritual babes? That word babe is the word that I want you to write down. Please write it down. Uh, it's the Greek word. You got to write this down. It's the Greek word, uh, nepoias. And, and what it means is the definition where I really want you to grab. Uh, please write this down. It means to be untaught. It means also to be unskilled. It means to be untaught as well as unskilled. And I'm going to give you a few more definitions. Uh, I want to go to it myself, 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, let me turn to it. I, I, I really believe this is going to help you. Uh, I pray that it does. And I'll come back to James here in just a moment. But I, I just want you to see this. Uh, in a way that I, I pray that you'll be able to grab from it what I was able to grab from it. Because, again, this is going to be a little uncomfortable uh, for at least some of you uh, that are here. Uh, because this particular word is a word that uh, often we want to, what I say is, put it this way, we want people to think of us a certain way, even if we're not that way. Please hear your pastor's heart. Your stage in life what you've accomplished through academia, what you've been able to accomplish in business is not necessarily an indicator of your spiritual reality. You can have accomplished a lot of things in the natural, but we, according to the scripture, are not just natural people. We are spiritual people. That is, if we are Christ followers. And I'm going to challenge you here in just a few moments, and I know it will, because I'm going to show you something that I, I just can only hope uh, that you'll be able to see and really be able to grab. If you read a little further, it says, Paul goes on to say, uh, I fed you with milk and not with meat. I've given this analogy before, and this is just a little content here. The church that Paul is speaking to, we read it from the book of Corinthians. It was called the church at Corinth. It would just 
as well as been if Paul uh, was speaking to the church in Tampa. We would be the Tampians, and he would be speaking to us with this kind of voice. And he says something, and again, time won't allow me to go through all of it, but let's remember, I need you to distinguish between the two, because often what people do is we look at what positions we have, we look at titles that we have, please hear me, we look at the gifts that may be in our lives. And what we do is we try to balance all those things and make us spiritual. This church in Corinth was known historically for being one of the most gifted churches. So if I were to some kind of way make us go back in a time capsule and you were able to see this church, this was a church that on a weekly basis, they, they laid hands on the sick. They saw miracles happen. If someone spoke in tongues, another person would get up and interpret the tongues. They were so gifted that, that, that they had to ask questions about spiritual things. How do we do it if everybody is up worshiping and praising God in one language and there comes a, a, a visitor? How do we have? They were so gifted. They were focused on the deposit that God had given, but they had never really grown up spiritually. Paul is now talking to the same group. So here's the note that I want you to take. Make sure you take it. Your gifts and your talents are not necessarily an indicator of your spiritual maturity. Make sure you put that down. Because, I, well, pastor, I've seen people do some great things. It doesn't mean they're spiritually mature. It just means that they're gifted. A gift has nothing to do with your level of maturity. There have been things that I've been able to do as a gifted young man that had nothing to do with my level of maturity. I promise you that. As a matter of fact, when God have used me in, in times, and, and I'm still not exempt from this moment except the grace of God. When God have used me, it did not mean that I had matured in the things of God. God have used me to speak prophetically. God have used me to say things, but it still had nothing to do with my level of maturity. I prophesied to men what positions they would be in in large reformations, but it still didn't make me a mature believer. God have given me visions to see stuff that was abnormal, but it still didn't mean that I was mature in the things of God. I am on DVD and on VHS tape, if y'all remember anything about that. Where back in the 90s, I was prophesying in churches, uh, more in particular, Retoria, where you at, honey? Are you here this morning? Retoria, I don't know if you were there when I came to uh, Bishop's Church in Detroit, Michigan during the mid-90s. I gave a prophetic word that is still on tape. If y'all see it, you go, is that pastor? Had a lot of hair, didn't have as much weight, and, and don't worry, you're going to get there too. But I gave a word. I gave a word in that church. And one of the words were that this particular ministry uh, in the heart of the city would be a church that would be the first of its kind that would own its own satellite stations. And they would own it. And the pastor later said to me and said publicly Man, when you gave that word, I thought, I don't know nothing about that. We own a local TV station, but to own a network, you got to own satellites, and that's, those are worth millions of dollars. 
That was in 1995. Gave the word, but it didn't make me mature. Are you hearing me? I gave a prophetic word some years later in the same place that I saw. God had given me a vision, and I saw a hand. I, that's the best way I can describe it. And if you understand spiritual language, you'll get this. Even Ezekiel said, I saw a wheel inside of a wheel. And that's the best way he could describe the things that God would show him. And I saw a hand at that particular time. And this hand had come out of the ground of the continent of Africa. I saw this as clear as I could look at some of your faces. And I began to prophesy what I saw. I said, I see a hand. And in this hand, I see fingers that were breaking off and had wings on them. And it was going to crash into buildings. And the place was going to be on fire. I said, I see people that are going to fall uh, while they're burning on, in flames, jumping off of buildings. They will jump burning, but they're going to jump into hell. I said, there's a time coming that judgment is coming to America. And I said, I can't help what I see. And it's going to come out of Africa. And that same word came to me where I saw a man who I never, never paid attention to this stuff then. I said, I see a man with a large cowboy hat on. And, and I said, I see him taking his, I couldn't see his face at the time. And I saw, and I prophesied this openly in, in, in Michigan, in the city of Detroit, on TV, live. And I said, I see a man uh, like in a big boxing ring. And he's going to take his, uh, like a cowboy hat. And I said, I saw him throw a hat and the hat was so large. I didn't know I was in a vision. I was just saying what the Lord had shown me. I said, this hat is going to land in the center of a ring. And I, I looked at this thing when the Lord was giving it to me. And I said, God, what is this? He said, this is the man that I'm going to raise up for, because remember the prophecy was that this hand was going to come out of Africa and it was going to hit America. I just, I, I, the way I described it, it, now that the memory comes back, I said it looked like long pencils with wings on it. God didn't let me see it was an airplane, but later I understood it. And God gave me a word. I said, but this man is, is going to, to bring stability into a country, the United States, because of the judgment that's going to happen in our nation. And, and I gave that word, not knowing that another preacher would come and say something different. <clears throat> the word came to pass. It was called 9-11. And God had given me that word. I'm on TV saying this stuff. And when I said it, I took a lot of heat and hell for it. Not there, not at the local church, but ministers across the nation. Who is this young man that has this alleged gift that God is speaking to? There is no judgment that's coming to America. We're the blessed of the, I mean, I went through some stuff. Watch this. As gifted as that moment was, I still wasn't mature. Hear me. Your gifts and your talents have nothing to do with God using you. I need y'all to get this thing. We are no more than a vessel. I just want you to imagine a big pitcher that you could pour some nice lemonade in. That's all that we are. We're a vessel. And God fills it up with whatever he wants to fill it up with. And he'll use it when he wants to. And when he's tired of using it or stop using it, he doesn't have to use it. The Bible says that we are that type of vessel. And whatever the Lord wants to do as he wants to do it. As the spirit wills, the way Paul puts it in Corinthians, he says the spirit will speak as he wills, not as we will. But when God finished using you, 
you could still be in stage two. Because there are a whole lot of things that I still did not grab and still did not get. So I'm going to take you on a ride here, and we're going to see where you are. Well, why'd you use yourself? Because if I begin to say some things about you, you'll feel like I'm picking on you. Touch two people and say, I'm glad he used himself. Because <laughs> we're going to go to work here. We're going to find out where you are. Again, if you were not here, you need this message. You really do. So he says this. He says, I fed you. And then he goes on to say something else. He says, I fed you not with meat. Because you couldn't bear it for you yet, carnal. And then he gives the description. He says, for where is there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal? And do you not walk as men? I want to show you something. Turn with me to James, the third chapter. The 16th verse. Let's go to the Amplified Translation, if you don't mind, on that. James 3. 16. Here's stage two. Get ready. James 3, verse number 16. James 3, that's it. Verse 16. Here's the amp. I'll start here first. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry, which is rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. The King James says, for wherever envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. One of the signs of stage two, you may want to write this down. Maybe I should give you a little Hebrew here, a little Greek. Maybe that would help you be convinced that the word of the Lord is so powerful when we deal with this stuff here. Let me tell you what this deals with. Please write this down. When you're dealing with this level of envy, it's dealing with what's called being, please write it, a group thinker. <laughs> it's going to get so tight in here. Y'all going to scoot over to touch each other's shoulder to warm up. Because this is going to be a little rough in here. Most Christians are not out of stage two. Please hear me. If the crowd goes, hear me young people, if the crowd goes in a direction and you as a believer go in the same direction, you are still in stage two. Because stage two people, please hear me, follow the crowd. Oh, I'm going to keep developing this here. Stage two people are people that cannot dare to think I need to be alone. Therefore, I go with wherever the crowd is going. That's where I'm going. If the crowd says something is bad, it must be bad because the crowd said it. If the crowd don't like one particular person, it must be true because I'm with the crowd. If you identify, hear me, as a Christ follower with where the crowd is, but not where God is. You are still in stage two of your life. Because mature people don't do crowds. I'm going to deal with that in a few more weeks from now. But this is, I'm going to make you, you're going to get happy in a minute. Touch someone and say, I hope he don't leave me here. I'm just, I look at somebody and tell them, I feel like the bottom is dropping out right now. 
He says, for wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, watch this, rivalry, and selfish ambition. Oh, work in here, preacher. If your MO is so about you, let me bring it down here. Please write this down. If you got to have it your way and you pout when you don't get your way, you are not a grown-up spiritually yet. Pastor, you said this the other week because it needs to be said again. Because so many of you are still about it's your way. And I said this before, when you don't get your way, and, and you, it's, it's people, it's not what you say, it's how you really respond. Because there, there are some people that just won't say, I want my way. But their actions is, if I don't get my way, oh God, I'm not going to treat you a certain way. See, if I didn't have children here, I could take this to a whole nother place. Because some of you will use your abilities to control what you want to control. And, and if they don't do it the way you want them to do it, you back them away from you by your attitude because you didn't get your way. You are an infant slash child. You are in stage two because you are walking around spiritually pouting because you're not able to get what you really want. Let me, let me move this. Let me shift this. In your schools, on your jobs, let me deal with some of you grown-ups in here. Because you want this to be about your children. What you don't realize with your grown self, you're still a child. When, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your employer, employment, when the, let me bring it home. When the people you work around have something to say that is contrary to what you say you believe in. Hear me, and you are not even known. I didn't say you have to be argumentative. I didn't say every time someone says something, you got to rush to defend it. But if nobody at your job knows that you don't have the same position they do, even on cultural issues, you're still in stage two. Because what you're subconsciously doing is you don't want to rock the boat. Therefore, you ain't going to rock that boat. And as a result of it, you're going to make sure that everybody kind of counts you in. Let me keep going here. If all of your major friend groups don't share your belief in Christ, but you are comfortable around them, but not around other believers, you're still in stage two. I didn't say divorce them. I didn't say not have anything to do with them because you cannot win the world unless you identify enough to bring the world out into who you are. But if your main hookup friends are people that don't share your biblical belief on issues, why in God's name would you go to them for biblical advice but you're not even on the same page? Touch someone on the shoulder and tell them that qualifies you for stage two. Go ahead. All right, boy, y'all ain't been this quiet in a long time. Would you just, I better, I better pause and give y'all a break here for just a moment. If y'all need some water, just raise your hands. We can get, we can get you hydrated in here. Because some of y'all are like, oh, Lord Jesus. See, the role of a leader 
is to stretch you. I can't always make you feel good. That's what you do with babies. You tickle them and you watch them cool and, and you, oh, look at mama's little boy. Look at dad. Oh, look at my, oh, Lord. And they, they just start giggling. But when you start growing up, you need somebody to be honest enough with you to tell you I love you enough. You need to grow up. It's, it's time out for always acting like a child. And when you don't want nobody to tell you that, <laughs> touch somebody and tell them that's because you're in stage two, baby. That's all. You just, you're in stage two. Let me, let me develop the scripture. I want you all to see this in the scripture because if not, you'll just think it's my opinion. It's not. This is derived directly from the text. Go back again uh, to this verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and, 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 and envy and contention, rivalry and selfish ambition, there will also be confusion unrest, disharmony, rebellion. Do you know any people that are rebellious? Don't act like you're sitting next to them. Just lift up your hands anyway. As a matter of fact, keep your hands lifted and look down at the other row and say it must be that row down there. When there's confusion, the Bible says for Satan is the author of confusion. When believers walk <clears throat> with no Harmony. See, a, a mature person can work out problems. When you're not mature, you can't work that thing out. I'll help you since you don't want to help yourself. See, when, when you're trying to work it out, one of the things that God says is, don't let disharmony come. He says, here's my method. You need to go to that individual and you need to get that thing right. Because we, re we represent the body of Jesus Christ. And when you don't choose that way, Watch this, but you carry stuff in your emotion. Well, I ain't carrying nothing against anyone, Pastor Shines. Then why can't you speak to them? Why do you walk around in another area knowing that they come in your way? Why do you pretend that you're talking when nobody is even there because you know that they're watching you and that way... <laughs> Some of y'all just say, hey, how you doing? Ain't nobody even there unless your imaginary friend is still in your life. It's time to get rid of your imaginary friend. Touch your neighbor and say, you ought to let that go when you're a little baby. You can't hug and greet one another with your deep self. You've been in the Lord. You've been in church for how long? And, and you walk past another believer? Do you know that if, Elder, stand up. Let me use you, sir. I love real men like this. If I have a problem with elder, I go to him. I say, bro, we got a problem. And I, my job isn't to go to my daughter. You know what I heard about elder Jerry? That's why I don't like dealing with him. He just think because he lift all them weights, he's something. <laughs> Thank you, elder. See, if I go to somebody else, but my issue is there. Touch your neighbor and say stage two. I was going to say something, but, and I, I hate this argument. I, I, I despise this. I hear this. I've heard this for so many years. I'm just not going to get involved because God don't want me to argue and, and, and be debating with nobody. <laughs> Yet the scripture says, contend for the faith. That means fight for what you believe in. Listen, you can argue without being argumentative. 
Do you all get that? I, I can disagree with you, but I don't have to be disagreeable. In other words, I don't have to live every time. I know you don't want to talk about what I want to talk about, what I want to talk about. That's ridiculous. But as a believer, I have an obligation to say what's on my mind. And this is why the church is so damaged. I'm not talking about G to G. I'm talking about the church in America. We got some of the, oh God, forgive me. We got some of the most weakest leaders in the nation. I'm weeping and crying every week over this stuff. Like, God, what's going on? Where's the remnant? Where's the, where's the group of people? Thank God there's some groups out there. But where, where are your leaders? You got these cats on TV that ain't saying nothing. Talking loud. Y'all ain't even supposed to know that song. Y'all been in church for years and you over there shouting James Brown. Talking loud. It ain't saying nothing. Talking about your breakthrough and y'all all hooked up on this stuff. I'm going to say this. Whether y'all like this or not, I'm going to say this right now. Y'all can leave here and judge me if you want to. That's just because you're in stage two. <laughs> but I don't know how y'all look at some of the stuff you look at. I don't get it. But there's a, pride, there's a sense of pride in me because we're raising up some young folk here. And I'm telling you, they're getting this thing. They're ready to challenge the world's systems. You all think that these issues don't even impact you when you hear them on TV. And so stage two, you know what stage two, and I'm still in the scripture. Stage two says, I just won't even look at what's going on around me. Please write that down. When you don't pay attention to your surroundings, that's a sign of a child. That's why moms, dads, you know what I'm talking about. When you're trying to raise your kids, you tell them, hey, you need to pay attention some when you go out. You need to know who's around you. Don't just go where everybody go. Know where you're going. Know what you're getting into. Know who car you're getting into. See, a child don't pay attention to who car they get into. I told you all the story before. My mother, I'm, forgive me, I'm going to tell the story again. This is what happens when you start getting older. You just start repeating yourself some. I was so happy when my mom was, thought I was growing up. I had my own little car. Had a friend to come by. And my mother looked out the window and saw him, and she, he had never been over to the house before. And he was coming up. She said, Aubrey, who is this? I said, oh, that's my friend such and such. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. I saw her, mm-hmm. And by the time he got in, I introduced him to my mom. And my mom said, all right, y'all leaving? Mm-hmm, mom, I'm going such and such. Okay, okay. Son, just wait for Aubrey. He'll be out in a minute. Okay, Aubrey, you go on out there and tell that, that young man you ain't going nowhere with him. I'm pulling up my, I'm like, I didn't bristle up. Don't get me wrong. Because y'all wouldn't have known me. I come out of an era where they didn't play that. You don't stick your chest out. You'd be chestless. <laughs> and, 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 and they just didn't tolerate that from no one. Not even our neighbors. You, you can even raise up against a neighbor. They chastise you, and by the time you get home, it's all over. So I watched some of few friends that I know, and I knew I didn't want to be that victim and that sort of thing. And, and my mother said, I said, Mom, why can't I go out? I said, I'm 17. I had a little peach fuzz. 
You couldn't tell me nothing. I knew it all. She said, let me tell you something. She said, I'm old. That boy ain't going nowhere in life. I'm your mama. Your daddy's now dead. I'm taking over. You can go out there and let them know you ain't going. Oh, I can walk out there and tell them you ain't going. Which one do you want? She didn't argue, didn't lift up her voice. I said, but mom, hey, that's my friend. She said, nope, and, 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 and furthermore, from this day forward, he's not your friend. And he, he's not welcome over in this home. I said, Mom, why you want to be that way? I said, Mom, see, you just trying to, and then I felt crying coming. I had to, I had to man up because men don't cry. I said, you just don't want me to be a man. I said it with a much lower tone, though, by the way. You don't want me to be a man. I'm a real boy. Anyway. <laughs> she said, you going on out there and you say something. And I went out there and I lied. I did not tell the truth. <laughs> I said, hey, man, some came up. That was a little truth. Come on, give someone a high five. Say that was still stage two. He said, oh, man, I came all the way over. I reached in my pocket. Here's two bucks. Take it for gas. Two dollars went a long ways in. That's a couple gallons. Oh, a gallon at least and some change, I guess. And, and, and I couldn't go. I came back in. I was really hurt. I said, man, I just don't understand why you do this. She says, because I'm trying to raise you the way your daddy would raise you. She said, you'll see. You ain't old enough to see it, but you'll see. Please. It didn't take but a few years for that prophecy to come to pass. Not a good end of that story, but let me tell you something. See, we hear stories like that, but we don't relate them to ourselves. We only want to relate it to our children. I need to deal with your adults here today. We can see the handwriting on the wall, but yet we pretend we don't see it. As an adult, when you see the handwriting on the wall in whatever you're in and you act like you don't see it, you're in stage two because you're not willing to own it because you want to blame someone else for it. See, wherever there's that type of confusion and lack of harmony, you're the issue. Whenever there's jealousy... Whenever there's something that disrupts the harmony that God wants you in, when you can't take a stand for something, you're in stage two of your life. Now, I'll, I'll give you this. Maybe you're not mentally prepared to be able to end, argue and or debate an issue, but it's not because there's not access to do it. Well, Pastor Shines, you ain't talked to yet. Well, how many books have you read? See, again, stage two, blame somebody else. Well, if my pastor would teach me, I would know how to do it. Well, no, I don't teach you to watch those crazy programs you watch. Oh, yeah, you're going to clap now. Praise the Lord. You watch these, these women of Atlanta. Over there, Bishop. <clears throat> you watch the wives of basketball whatever these stupid people are doing you know all the names you even imitate the way they talk don't look at me funny i know what i'm talking about you call each other female names that if someone were to call you that stage two take your fingers lift them up anybody sitting around you say you ain't got to say man say just look at my fingers right now Tell him you're still in stage two. You don't take any positions. And when I see leaders, 
not standing, taking positions. As a leader, I'm broken. Because I really believe that if leaders that God have given access, which I believe God's going to judge them, whether on this earth or in heaven, they're going to get judged for this. When you have been given responsibility and money to do certain stuff, and you don't take advantage of it and change the course of a nation, then you're part of the problem even as a leader. And we have leaders that are afraid. I know they call me all the time. We have leaders that are afraid to address issues. And let me tell you, the number one reason they are afraid the members will stop giving them tithe. And I hear this all the time. Man, if I do that, prophet. Bishop, if I do that. Man of God, if I do that. Man, if I do that. If I do, oh, Lord, if I do that. Man, I, these folk will leave here in droves. I said, but you say you believe it. Well, I believe it, doc. But you know, you got to let the people kind of ease into it. Well, you've been easing for a long time. You sound like the Wizard of Oz. Ease on down the road. Ease on down. Ease on down the road. What are you talking about? Man, these people are, we're going to lose a generation. We got young millennials that are in trouble because the leaders won't stand and raise them to a level of maturity to say, listen, this is going to be a lonely place out here. And I have adults that are afraid to take positions because you're afraid you won't be part of the group anymore, part of the clique anymore. You don't understand, you're killing a generation. Everybody look at your pastor. Every one of you are responsible for three generations according to my scripture. That means every life you impact, that life impacts a life, that life impacts a life. And when you don't take a position, you've missed a generation to change it. Simply because you were still in stage two. Please touch someone on the shoulder and tell them you got to grow up at some point. Tell them you got to start acting like an adult. Everything we do, we make an impact. I better give you the word. I got to get you out of here. I didn't butcher some of y'all today here. Well, maybe, maybe I'll have my elders to lay hands on you right after service. I'm serious. And, and get you all anointed. Get you all fresh. Because if not, you're going to go away wounded. I'm not trying to wound you. I'm trying to help you. See, sometimes if you let a bone grow in the wrong direction, it's worse off. You go, well, I didn't have to have it said. I have a... of a, a, fracture in my one of my fingers I never had it reset I asked the doctor years ago well, what would happen he said oh, it's going to grow you'll be able to use it he said but the older you get you're going to see how crooked it really is still there but not getting the 100% usage you know why because my immaturity didn't allow it to be fixed what I'm speaking to you is trying to get you fixed that way you won't have to grow up wrong and if you don't Take this. Hear me, young people, if you're under the age of 30 in here. I was on fire for the Lord at the age of 20. And I was not playing. I meant Jesus for real, for real. People were coming to the Lord by droves simply because I said yes to the Lord. I didn't say yes to religion, but I sure enough said yes to the Lord. I didn't look the part. I didn't have the suits and ties to put on. But I, me and my little raggedy jeans were on fire. Everywhere I went, I witnessed 
I shared Jesus with everyone. People would talk about that young man is always leading someone to the Lord. I'd go to the prisons with the proper teams and I'd minister and watch 15, 17, 18 people give their life to the Lord. I had a heart to want to see people change. 20 years of age, 21, on fire for the Lord, doing all that I knew to do. 21, laying hands on people that had demons coming out of them, talking with multiple voices at 20, 21 years of age, able to lay hands and drive them demons out of folk. But yet, we're raising up a generation that we're making them silent. Why? Because the millennials have learned from the parents. They didn't just get there on their own. And we're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to talk about the lack of impact that a father has in his children's lives. And therefore, we say nothing when all of our young teens keep getting pregnant without a father that's going to be in their life. Listen to me, darlings. This is not condemnation, but the more children you have without a husband that help take care of those kids, you are setting them up for defeat. Pastor, don't say that. We have some young people in here. I can't help they made the choice, but they can make better choices in the future. And for me not to say it will hurt them in their future if I don't say it. Doesn't mean that they cannot be redeemed. But if we don't talk about it, we're going to keep raising up generation after generation. Of, 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 here are the facts. And, and again, we have leaders that won't even talk about this. When that, when that young lady has a child, and, and there is no father in that home to take care. 79.8% of those kids are going to go to prison. 80.1% are going to end up using drugs. And that same percentage is not going to even finish college. What in the world are we going to do? Then that generation is going to have a sub-generation and going to rebel because they're stuck in a climate they cannot get out of. Amen. And the church Amen. is silent. Because we don't want to offend somebody by saying, get married if you want to have success. When you are married and you bring children in the world, you make them on par to be successful. Well, what about those that go to divorce? Let me tell you about it. Be a man and raise your children. I didn't have to have a court to tell me to do that. I didn't need someone to say, now, your kid, where they going to go? They followed their daddy. Why? Strong man is always going to win that battle. And when you men don't fight for your babies, God's going to get you for it. Because you're setting those children up for failure. But when they see daddy fighting for them, you will be the better off. There's no, hey, there's a real man. That, that's why when I see your boys here, I always make my men come around. I say, and I tell your boys and your grandsons, real men go to church. Real men lift up their hands. Real men love Jesus. Real men take care of their children. And any man that don't do it ain't a man. You're just a man with the, the autonomy of a man. But you're not acting like a man. That's stage two. And we're afraid to address the issues. I got to stop. I want you to hear my heart. We're in trouble. We hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, 
Visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.